You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Well, hello. Uh, welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. And I'm Doug Mason. And I'm Dave Walters. So this is a very special COVID-19 episode of Behind the Wheels. We're recording all in three different locations, three different states. We had somebody write in with a great question. Uh, Dennis Squire asked a question and uh, it says, would like to hear a discussion on retorquing wheel nuts. He goes on and he says, Canada, the dealers state that on every invoice that the wheels must be retorqued. Uh, they also use this in their defense when wheels come loose. Uh, the areas we go in the U.S., retorquing is not requested on all tire company invoices. What is the panel's opinion? When we saw this, we thought, gee, that's a really, really good question. And so we decided this is such a good question. We thought we'll tackle it. We'll dedicate a whole episode to it. Well, I think that what it is, uh, Mike, it, it let us know that when we were talking about the nuts and bolts, that there is definitely interest out there in more detail than what we got into previously. So I think we'll get into some history here that Dave has on where some of this comes from. And I think we'll review again in a little more detail the real importance of the torquing procedure. And uh, even as it's noted by our question here, uh, when they said they also use this in their defense when wheels come loose, uh, indicates that wheels do still come loose, and this is a very important topic. Let's go back, and I, I know we covered this a couple of times already. It's always good. They say that what inflation pressure is to tires, torquing is to wheels. What they're trying to get at there is we just can't seem to talk about torque enough. So we're constantly revisiting it. We're going to revisit it again in this episode. Let's talk a little bit about why retorque happens. Dave, you want to kick that off? At TMC, we spend a lot of time talking about torque issues and retorques or torque checks, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But we did a study at one of the TMC meetings where each of us went out and bought different fasteners from different suppliers and just randomly brought them to TMC. And we put those fasteners that we bought over the road on the machine, and we found out that technically quality of fasteners was a tremendous scale. We contacted our federal government and kind of got some information. And what we found out was if they're marked grade eight, they have to be what they're marked. But if they're not marked, chances of them being grade eight is slim to none. And it was a very educational little task we did. So quality of fasteners is where we always start out with. You better start out with quality fasteners before we get into any of these other subjects. One of the things that we talked about, you know, once you have those quality fasteners, we talked before about having a clean studs, cleaning off the studs, getting all the gunk off of there, making sure that if you have dirt or maybe some corrosion on the studs, that's going to bind things up. 
and that's going to cause all sorts of problems. Give you poor torque readings. We already talked, I think, in a couple of episodes about oil and the importance of just a couple of drops of oil right there in the stud. And it's really good if you can get a drop of oil between the uh, the nut and the free spinning washer. You want to make sure everything is aligned up when you're putting those the wheels on. And Alcoa Wheels sells alignment tools. There are other alignment tools out there in the market to make sure that everything's you know going on nice, nice and clean. That the wheel's not going to get cocked when you put the wheels on. And all of that is about having that joint. When you torque that up that first time, put the wheels on, you torque the whole thing up, that you're not going to get a whole lot of joint settling. Now, even with all of that, there's still going to be a little bit of joint settling. And so the whole point of this retorque is about after the joint settles, that's why the, they're asking for a retorque. But you know, we're going to get into the difference between a, a retorque and a torque check. Because if everything's done and everything's done right, hopefully at the end, after you go through this, you just do a quick torque check and you're good to go. I'm going to ask Dave, because Dave actually, of all of us, you have the most historical understanding of the old ball seat systems and the way those were put together back in the day. You know, ball seat was very prevalent for many years, and the ball seat wheels, you had to retorque because they had inner and outer cap nuts, right-handed, left-handed threads, depends on what side of the truck you were on. So technically, what the recommendation was is you loosened up every other one, you retorque the inner cap nut, then you would go back and loosen up the other five, and retorque the inner one and retorque the outer one. That was actually retorque. It was a time-consuming process, so technically nobody in the world would ever do it, but that was the recommendation. So they called that retorque. When we went into hub palleted wheels, it's basically you don't have to untorque anything. So we like to refer to that as torque checks now, because you're really not retorquing, you're just checking the torque. So you actually had to take half of the nuts off and then put them back on again. And that, that's really what a retorque is, isn't it? Five out of the ten, you had to redo that way. And then you had to do the other five. It was a very time-consuming process. And if you had, you know, an 18-wheel truck, you're basically doing that, you know, eight times, and people just didn't do it. So that was what they referred to as a retorque. And when you're retorquing, you're just resetting the whole joint again. So there's still a lot of the same potential issues in place. So it is a much better situation now that we've moved to the uh, the hub piloted, where you really are, like you said, just checking the torque. You're not making, you shouldn't be making any changes. You shouldn't be adding any more torque to it. And it might be uh, this is a good point here to also discuss the actual torquing process of how they do this torque check, right, Dave? It's a check. We're, we're not trying to add anything to it. We're just trying to ensure that it's still within the proper range uh, so that we know that everything was done properly to begin with, correct? That is correct. And when you get into checking the torque to be technically accurate, because I've done this at a lot of fleets with fleet customers, you really have to go to more of a Dow indicator type torque wrench because then you can see if there's any movement. That's critical where if you have the clicker type and you set the wrench for 500 where you torqued it and they all click, we, we don't know if there's any movement. We just know that they're above 500. A lot of this is 
doing it with, with stuff. The breakaways can work much like the clickers. So a lot of the fleets had to actually go to the uh, torque checks. They had to go to a Dow indicator base uh, torque wrench to see if there was movement. One of the big problems with the torque check with those clickers, there's an awful lot of shops out there that are using the good enough, tight enough method. And they'd have the gun set as high as it'll go. It's someplace over 500 foot-pounds. I think, Dave, you've seen it where it's well over 900 foot-pounds, 1,200 foot-pounds. I mean, it's it's crazy the kind of numbers they can get. You're over 500. Yeah, I mean, with a one-inch gun and a lot of shop air, you can get a tremendous amount of torque. And people need to realize that, that that's probably where you damage fasteners. And, you know, we can go back to to start with quality fasteners. If you don't start with quality fasteners and you put that type of torque, you're going to have all sorts of issues. There's torque tools now. There's, you know, nut runners, they call them, and torquing devices that can do the same thing. Uh, they're very still pretty costly, you know, but they do torque very well. So, I mean, there are products out there that you don't manually have to torque. But, again, when we talk, the good and tight method is you go around and you click, 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 and all we know is they're over 500 foot-pounds. So we like to say run them up, then you bring them to torque. That means you want to see movement before that torque wrench clicks. There's a big difference there. For that running them up, you want to go almost a hand tighten. You don't need them real tight. Just run it right up there. But like Dave said, you want to see movement when you're starting to use that torque wrench. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of turn from loose. Wait, the half-inch gun can get you really close to the torque anyways. Instead of using even a one-inch or a three-quarter, this gun can get you up there, and then you torque it. The cost reduction of buying the heavier tools and the maintenance is a value to these shops that basically do this correctly. Now, a lot of them will have the one-inch guns because if they get a road service on the road or something like that, they have to try to get the nuts back off. But they tell their mechanics you use a half-inch gun to install yeah, it was kind of interesting. We were talking to a few fleets uh, back at the TMC meeting, if you'll recall, and how they uh, set it up so that you could only run one way with your uh, with your nut runners. You could only take off the nuts. You couldn't drive them on to ensure that uh, when they were being put on, they were using the actual correct equipment to ensure the proper torque. You're talking and, about the large, the one-inch guns. Yeah, so you can still use it to get it off, like Dave was saying. In some instances, uh, they've been put on with a one-inch gun on the road or something so tight that you need that much power to get it off, but you don't have it set up so you can actually use it in the shop that way, which I thought was a, a pretty good pokey oak um, for them to put in place. Now, we were talking about torque check. Our question came in, uh, why does that have to be done and why is that different in Canada? And, and here, again, Dave, I think we need to go back to how TMC has developed a system that really is a torque check system, but allows fleets who have uh, a good system in place with their well, statistical control, we'll call it, uh, reduce that kind of burden. So maybe you can give us a little uh, background on how that developed and how that is uh, different between the Canadian uh, side of the border and uh, the U.S. 
Oh, I certainly can, and you're very fortunate. I actually wrote this RP-237, and it is Torque Checking Guidelines for Disc Wheels. And basically, in this procedure, we basically say in you fleets that have your process under the control, you periodically check 30 knots at different time frames. If your process is under control, there's actually a sheet in here where you fill it out. And if your process is under the control, you keep that on file and say, hey, I got my process under control. I checked 30 on this truck, 30 on that, different times, you know what I mean? Basically, it says you do a five-mile drive-by. You come back, you recheck your torques. And what we found from two major fleets in this country, that if they cleaned everything, used quality fasteners, torqued the wheels up, they didn't lose one iota of torque for the next whole period of their until they have to take the tires off again. So a lot of these fleets, that saved them money because they were spending the money to do the retorques and, you know, go to a place and bring them back in. And we found out that they can basically show that they got their process under control. And these sheets that we made out was so important because you want to keep those because if you get into any type of wheel failure, wheel off or something, you'd say, hey, we we were doing all this and, you know, something else happened. And most of the time doing it with these fleets, it would be checking your outside road service. So we now, the key to all that is that test drive, right? Do you have that five-mile test drive after the wheels are put onto the vehicle? You want to make sure you're going over railroad tracks. You want to take plenty of turns, and, and you want to sort of see what you can do to get a little bit of uh, movement in that joint end, uh, if there is any movement there. Like Dave said, if it's done right, then there's not going to be any movement. You're going to be good to go. That's going to be just as tight after that test run than as it was beforehand. Just to restate, you have that documentation that says that you checked it, and you're all set for any regulatory, hopefully, any sort of regulatory uh, questions that come up. You know, I think and this gets a, just a little side note, sort of a pet peeves of us is the little green arrows that go on the axle ends, and you know those aren't going to really do a whole lot for you. That's not going to tell you if you've done the good and tight method where it, it actually is over torqued and that's going to weaken the stud. It's not going to tell you, you know, you don't need a whole lot of turn on those studs to get a little bit loose. Really what you need to do is do it once and do it right. That's what's going to keep that axle on put together. Any other comments on the uh, torque check, Dave? Like I said, we actually proved this with mega data. It's really helpful to understand if you keep your process under control and do things right, you know, torque them right, you know, bring them up the torque. These systems are very good. Again, the key is doing them right the first time. So what happened? Why is Canada different? Okay, I can give you the history on this, too, because I was actually on the panel that was called up there to help create these procedures in Canada. And what happened in Canada is they were having a lot of wheel offs. And the government up there said, wow, this is, you know, they, they had deaths, they had an epidemic. And they said, we got to do something to ensure that this doesn't keep happening. You know, wheels are falling off trucks right and left, and we got to do something. So they called a panel of us industry experts, as they called us, to come up, help us write, you know, their training program, 
you know, what they would have to do to train the person correctly. And, you know, we were using our TMC user's guide to wheels and rims and all that. Technically, they wanted us, you know, to put together where they could come in and train the guy, uh, you know, like an eight-hour class, uh, give them certification, and then basically make a law up there where you had to have a licensed wheel installer put this on your truck, and then you have to come back for your retwork 50 to 100 miles. Then you get like a little sticker stating that you did all that. So, I mean, it started because there was deaths, there was a numerous amount of wheel offs, and so they put together this program. So I guess one thing that uh, is important relative to the question that we had if you're part of a, a fleet and the the fleet has a good procedure in place and you've got all of the, the records in place, uh, you're going to know that things are being done right and having it done specifically to you know a certain procedure is not going to be critical. It's going to be the data of that fleet that's going to drive uh, how that uh, torque check is being done. But if you are simply having your tire wheel assemblies done off-site, contracted out in some manner, or even like a, a roadside like you mentioned before, Dave, it's important to do that recheck per the TMC recommendations because you don't know and that is where you can get into the situations where you will potentially have a wheel off or have a, a situation that could have been avoided if you had done the uh, the torque checking. Exactly. Now in Canada it's so different because it's mandated by law that the person that installed that must be certified and then you have to go back in 50 to 100 miles and get it redone. Here what I always tell people and it's many fleets and the many customers I deal with saying you know we have tire rim association and they train tire shop personnel and they get certified as a TRA it does basically the same class that the Canadians are doing so I always tell a fleet see if the guy has was certified by by tire rim and they even have where you can train the trainer so they can send the trainer of all their shops up there and then he can come back and train the personnel at the other shops so even in the u.s we do have people that are trained and certified and you know it's important but in canada they went the next step in canada it's a fifty thousand dollar fine for having a truck wheel a wheel fall off a, a truck or a bus doesn't matter what happened, if a wheel falls off a truck or a bus, the owner of that vehicle is paying the $50,000 fine. So they went a lot further than what we have been here in the U.S. Again, I always try to tell somebody, we do have certified tech, and look for them when you go into a shop, because they'll have their TRA, uh, TIA certification, and uh, look for those things, because you know those persons have been trained properly. So there's a couple of things, and I want to really highlight this, because the question that Dennis had uh, was specifically about the additional cost uh, that he's accruing there when he goes up to Canada. And there's a couple of things that I, I really want to highlight that are driving that. First of all is you have that certification that automatically has a smaller pool of people who can do the job, and that's going to drive up the cost a little bit. Probably the bigger thing is this requirement to have uh, the wheel retorqued or to have it 
really it's more of a torque check, 50 to 100 miles. And then the fact that there's some sort of regulatory oversight of that, that you have to get a sticker put on it. All of that drives additional cost up there in Canada, where that's not the case down in the States. Is that an accurate summary there, Dave? Yeah, I mean, you know, the cost of what Canada has by putting this program in and having their people trained and certified and just the whole system is a lot different. Where we were fortunate here in the U.S. where the Tire and Rim or or TIA is Tire Industry Association, the tire shop people actually did this themselves. So we don't really need government regulation. We kind of did it ourselves. We tell our people, look to see if they are TIA certified, and they are trained then to put on that. Our OSHA laws down here basically says before you put a tire on a wheel and a wheel on a vehicle, you must be trained by the manufacturer. You know, basically, TIA saw that in OSHA regulation and went out and did that. You know, wheel companies, we have training people, tire companies have training people, but this was just much simpler for us to do. And it's not regulated by the government, so you really don't have the cost. Probably the last thing I'd like to highlight here, and I think we're sort of saying it, but I want to make sure we make it very explicit, is that additional regulations that are happening up there in Canada aren't necessarily improving their wheel-off situation. They still have wheel-offs up there in Canada. Uh, They have plenty of them, just like we have plenty down here in the States. And the systems that are in place, there's a lot of things that can contribute to a wheel-off. If somebody chooses to use the good and tight method, I don't know that there's anything in the the regulations that's going to really make sure that nobody has torqued that axle end to 1,200 foot-pounds. Do you know if there's something in those regulations, Dave, or is it just as reliant on the mechanic as it is down here? It's very reliant on the mechanic. In their regulations, they say tighten them with like a half-inch gun and bring them up to torque. But again, we train our guys the same way. What I always say in the heat of battles is those practices always followed now. And unfortunately, that's really the problem. I mean, years ago, mounting tires onto wheels, people used, you know, ether and different other things. And, and basically, a lot of the tire shop owners said, if you we find a can of ether in your truck, you're going to get fired. It's almost that way with a one-inch gun. If we find a one-inch gun in your truck, we're going to fire you because, unfortunately, if it's there, they use it. And, you know, it's quicker. A lot of times that's what people do. So, you know, like I said, wheel-offs are still out there. Have we done a better job than we used to? Absolutely. Canada bringing the awareness up like they did, $50,000 gets attention. Here in the U.S., you know, we have the greatest group of lawyers ever waiting for an accident or something to happen, and the awareness is there. And us as industry people try to keep showing more awareness. Someday, somehow, we'll figure out that over-torque is as bad as under-torque. That's something that uh, we just keep on speak, and hopefully it will get out there. I think that about does it. Dennis, I hope we answered your question. You know, retorque, thank you very much for that question. Of Retorque is a subject that's very near and dear to our hearts. I think that pretty much is it for this COVID-19. We're all in three different locations, like I mentioned, all doing it over the phone. Anybody have any final words? Stay safe on the roads. 
Absolutely. And thanks to all those fleets out there who are doing the essential work of uh, keeping those supply chains running. I think that does it. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation, manufacturing, and technology. Inventing the first forged aluminum wheel in 1948, its team of experts continue to develop the most lightweight, efficient, and high-performing commercial vehicle aluminum wheel products. Bringing you revolutionary innovations like Alcoa Durabright wheels, Alcoa Durablack wheels, the new Alcoa Wheels hubboard technology, and the lightest truck wheel on the market, Alcoa Ultra One 22.5 by 8.25 wheel. Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation.